0: queer anarchist space where we smash the patriarchy by celebrating what is strong about being soft. Here we'll explore what is vulnerable, raw, hurt, healed, sensual, queer, and controversial. So join me and my friends from around the internet as we talk about deep shit and prove, as Janelle Monae said, that pink is the truth you can't hide. Hi, everyone. I wanted to pop in here real quick before we get the show started with this awesome collab with uh, Christopher Sebastian. Um, We had a really great little episode here. I was trying to be cognizant of his time and also of my data limit on my new podcasting plan. Um, So this episode is an hour Um, He did end up hanging out for the after party, which was really cool, and we did almost basically a second episode there. That can be found on my YouTube channel, so if you're interested in more content and want to hear more about his thoughts on things like privilege... Um, and also, we <laughs> dished a little bit about a natural vegan. Um, you can go to uh, YouTube. The link will be in the show notes. You can also just search for pink spots, remembering that pink is with a Y, and you'll be able to find it. And um, you can just jump forward. I play a little three minute video, kind of some outro music in between the main episode and the after party. So it's pretty easy to find. It should be right about halfway through um, where the after party starts. So just wanted to encourage everyone. I don't want to push YouTube on y'all too much if you're really not into it, but, um, these after parties with guests do turn into essentially more content that, um, oftentimes is as good, sometimes even better than the main episode. So just wanted to give you all an opportunity to check that out. Also, at the end, I do announce that I will be doing advice column episodes um, starting next week, which is uh, starting on February 3rd. I'm going to do one a month and then eventually aim to switch over to that being more of the main format of the show with collaborations being more special live stream events Um, that happen less frequently. Um, That change will kind of fully take place in May because I'm sort of booked out with collaborations until then, but I didn't want to wait that long to start doing advice episodes because I love them so much and I really do miss doing them. So the first one, as mentioned, will be on February 3rd, live streaming on YouTube. If you have questions you would like answered, please send them to pinkspots at gmail.com. And I will uh, add them to the queue. And I believe I will be adding those as podcast episodes um, because, like I said, that will become the main format of the show. So if you can't make the live stream, you'll see those pop up here as well. Um, And then lastly, just to push the YouTube channel one more time, I will be doing live stream events with my friends. The first one is on February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. Uh, I'll be live streaming with Mexi and Catherine, both of self-titled YouTube channels. Uh, We're going to talk about sex and the patriarchy. Some of you may have seen Mexi's recent video about um, sex, sex work, sexual liberation, and how we talk about that in leftist spaces. It was a really great video. It generated a lot of conversation amongst her audience. Uh, We've had some really amazing Discord calls through their Total Liberation Discord channel. Uh, about sex and it's been really cool to hear from everyone so we feel like we have a lot more to say she feels like she has a lot more to say and I certainly as always have a lot to say so we're gonna do this this uh, pretty big deal live stream event on February 14th Um, I do not believe I will be posting that as a podcast episode I kind of want these live stream events to be a YouTube affair so that's just one more reason to follow me over there if you're open into it and um, I would really love to hear from all of you just any experiences you have around sex and the patriarchy any thoughts you have all right uh, that's it sorry for all the all the notes but it's uh, it's a little hard doing collaborations to get um, information out there so I just wanted to take a moment to touch base let you know some changes that will be coming up Um, be aware I'm making a lot of noise for some reason in the beginning of this episode. Normally I would, uh, silence my end of the audio, but, um, Sebastian wasn't able to record his audio on his side because he was using his phone to do the live stream and it doesn't, didn't allow for the voice memo app and the other app to be running at the same time. So we had to use the combined live stream audio, Um, So anyway, just know that I quiet down after a while, and I will definitely make sure to uh, mute my side of the conversation while I'm not speaking in the future, um, especially if I have to be clicking or typing anything. So with all of that, I'm very excited to release you to listen to this amazing episode. Hello, beautiful people welcome to pink spots so as uh, highly advertised in the pink spotlight today <laughs> we have the one the only christopher sebastian um, henceforth will be referred to as sebastian uh, sebastian's a well-known vegan <clears throat> Excuse me. Well known in the vegan world as an author, researcher, and lecturer, he uses a multidisciplinary approach that includes media theory, political science, and social psychology to examine how human relationships with other animals shape our attitudes about race, sexuality, and class. He also rocks knee high socks like no one you've ever seen. So you gotta appreciate the brains and the beauty. So hey Sebastian, thanks for being here today. How has 2021 been for you so far?
1: Thank you so much for having me. And 2021 has been an interesting like couple of weeks so far. Um, mm-hmm. We've watched so much history unfolding in like the past couple of weeks. So like like personally, I'm okay. Um, but like on a macro level, I also am just like I have so many emotions about like what for the future. Hopefully the rest yeah. of 2021 turned out a lot better than like the beginning of it.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it started off with a bang, that's for sure. So, you know, this is a very exciting collaboration for me because your work has definitely, um, the more academic side of what you do has obviously shaped. Um, you know, how I speak about animal liberation, how I speak about the intersections of human and animal oppression. But I think in certain ways, you've actually had a much bigger impact on me with the work you've done around how you talk about activism these spaces that we're in the concepts we use to um, enact our activism you know more of this almost social side of what we're trying to do here i found a lot of your work to be really validating and really illuminating and so that's sort of more of what i want to focus on with you today i'm so excited to talk to you so to start us off high level um, tell us what your general approach to activism is How do you like to connect with people? I know I just listened to your interview on the Vegan Vanguard, which was awesome, and everyone should go check it out if you haven't already. And you talked about, I thought it was really interesting that you talked about taking kind of an origin approach to how you talk to people who may be saying something ignorant or may have a different viewpoint from you um, as a way to kind of depersonalize conflict. So I'd love to have you kind of explain that more and expand on it here.
1: Yeah, like, um, I think that overall, we have a tendency in activist circles to have these hot takes, um, especially in this, like, you know, very direct um, social media culture that we're living in, where, like, okay, something happens, and then you immediately react to it. And, like, taking a reactionary approach, I think, is sometimes, pretty often, actually, not the most productive thing to do. Um, and like actually kind of sitting in your discomfort with something that has recently occurred, um, is probably a lot more productive than like taking like an immediate jump into the fray to like, you know, to sort of like dissect a situation where we may not even have all the information yet. Um, also like there is a lot of particularly in animal activism, there is a lot of hot take culture around like making like flat one dimensional comparisons um, to marginalized groups, which is not always the most productive thing to do. Um, And we've seen that like reflected or blow up like over and over again. It seems like every couple of years we're having the same discussions. Um, And like that's like, you know, that's that's awesome. Um, He says, (laughs) but like, but yeah, like, so like, you know rather than like having these sort of knee jerk reactions I think it is better um at least for me um, it's been demonstrated to be better to like actually step back and see where we can actually connect with another person based on like you know where did this originate where like you know what was what were the like you know what are the historical actions that precipitated this moment that we're living in um where we can find commonality and I like you know I say this over and over again but like didn't just invent this like I didn't make this up this isn't me like you know this is just like after like you know after years of actually reading like you know like history and and social theory from people that are way smarter than me I'm like well this is kind of a thing that works and like you know and it's been truly effective for me in the long term as a result so that is why I recommend it to other people let's you know let's look at what you know, what, what the origin of this situation is and where we can find commonality rather than, like, you're bad because of this thing. Or, yeah. like, you know, here is a, like, you know, here is a, a a hyper, like, you know, um insensitive or inflammatory situation that, like, you know, I'm going to juxtapose next to another situation. And, like, these two things are exactly the same. And it's like, wow, like, that's, like, all the nuances have been picked up, picked up and up. <laughs> and, like, you know, and, and now, right. like, you just have a bunch of angry people on both sides, both of whom actually are right. I mean, yeah. Like, and, like, that's, like, that's, that's the saddest thing about it. If people actually step back and, like, you know, and didn't rely on these um, incendiary and inflammatory things, we would probably find that our commonality is, like, you know, is, is much higher than we, we, mm-hmm. than we tend to think about it.
0: Yeah, I've definitely found that in my activism and especially in, you know, I've I've always talked about how powerful I think our just day-to-day existence can be in terms of activism and affecting change. Um not necessarily in that potentially ableist way of like you're a billboard for veganism or you're a billboard for, you know, you have to live this joyful, healthy, happy life. But I mean more in the sense of being grounded in your principles, being content and well-educated in what you believe and being comfortable with the fact that not comfortable in the sense that you're okay with it, but just comfortable in the sense that you understand that there's a lot of people who may not have that same education as you, who may not have come to the same conclusions as you yet, and yet you're still here in this world trying to navigate it and make connections with people. And I just love you talking about, talking about origin because I found, you know, like I had a friend who, um, is Korean American and he was, he just started talking one day about how he looks at other Asian people sometimes and feels embarrassed because they're being too Asian. And that opened this like amazing door to have this conversation about like white as the default and where that comes from. And he was so receptive to it, you know, and it's like these spaces, I just feel every day there's always some little space where you can just like connect with someone else on something that they're expressing is a concern to them or a lived experience of theirs and find a way to kind of make that connection Um, that doesn't include, I just think in vegan spaces, there's such like black and white thinking, and there is such a vilification of people who eat animals that it's like, even if you do manage to convert someone through those tactics, then they're going to become that kind of activist too, right? Where they're just out attacking everybody. And then I think that's when you fall into a lot of harmful traps of, um, you know, crossing the line and using examples in a really tr- traumatizing kind of way. And I think for me, I've never really understood why we're trying to get people over to our side in any ideology through trauma.
1: That's it, creating more trauma. It's like, yeah, that's,
0: like why? That's,
1: not helpful. that's <laughs> really, like, yeah, like, I don't know, <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain that to people any more clearly. And, like, this isn't, like, you know, like, I, I guess I understand your reasons. I actually saw, um, and I regret that I don't remember who, who shared this. But someone had like had had written like a social media post about this. Like, what, like why why do you think like you know this is going to be the most effective thing? Like, what what is it about like you know about this that drives you? And the the answer was like you know a lot of our activism, is punitive. It is uh-huh. like it's rooted in retributive justice like retribution like you know because like people need to be punished for like the enslavement and like you know exploitation of other animals and so it is in many ways gratifying or validating to like you know to to like you know elicit these responses out of people um but it is not necessarily effective um in fact it very rarely is effective if you actually look at the data behind it. Like, you know, this isn't like mm-hmm. this isn't the, the the best thing to do. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's um it's always stunning to me how people don't seem to especially people are not open to learning the connections between different types of oppression, um, how much that type of behavior is replicating. A supremacy, a type of supremacy or a type of exceptionalism, right? So it's like, okay, you might get someone to go vegan, but you're doing it in this way that is very like replicating of like a colonizing sort of behavior or like a white supremacist sort of behavior. Because often, yeah, those are the vegans who go out and attack other people, Um, maybe people of color, maybe disabled people, whoever it is, for not being vegan. And it's like we're just I just used to have this argument all the time, like people wanting to get the um, the bro types, you know, convert them to veganism. And I'm like, but at what cost? Right. Like at what cost? Because now the rest of us feel less safe, you know, and is that really the mode that we're trying to go down Um, anyway? Um, yeah, I was, I'm glad you brought up the rich retribute, I cannot say that word, um, retribution-based justice. We'll go with that. Um, when, um, I wanted to talk to you about that because I've struggled lately with, so I realized I'm autistic last year and it explains so much to me about the experiences I've had in activist spaces and being so anxious and confused all the time as to like what the rules are and being afraid of, you know, doing something wrong. Um, So I have over the last few years tried to critique that, but I've learned that, you know, talking about cancel culture is not an effective way to do that because canceling is a tool that was created by black women to you know, try to take some power back from power structures. Um, So I was just wondering if you had any general, like, ideas about how we can really critique, because I know we both have experienced this sort of, (laughs) uh, this sort of form of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Because I want to say canceling, but I don't want to say that. But this form of like, almost like a posse this toxic
1: engagement. Yeah. Like yes. The, the thank you. I
0: think mob
1: style, like the, yeah. Yeah. The, I, yeah I, and I'm like,
0: how do we talk about this in a way where we can effectively critique it and, and make more people, people feel safe to engage with that critique without maybe being harmful or using the wrong phrases to talk about what we're trying to actually get at.
1: Yeah. Um, Uh, once i figure that out i am going to write a book (laughs) about it and then i'll sell that book um,
0: and i will be the first in line to buy it
1: (laughs) (laughs) because we all know that i love the grift but um but Mm -hmm. but like like, this is like that's not something that like that i think is very easy to answer um like how like for for myself for myself like i've been canceled like 1500 times and so Uh and every time it happens i'm like okay like here we are again um like i have decided that like the the best thing for me to do and for like you know for for my own mental health is to like just keep on keeping on um like you know like it's like oh like you said the stain or you like you know did this or you wore blue shoes and now all you're cancelled and i'm like well like you know i've been cancelled again and like you know and this will definitely not be the last time so i'll just add this to the list and like Uh you know and just continue living like my most authentic truth for me, um, like, and this isn't like this is gonna be like it's gonna be different for different situations too. Um, like sometimes people get canceled, and I'm like, yeah, like I was, I was a pretty cancelable, cancelable offense. Um, and like you know, like the, like, and and that line is gonna be different for everybody um, because it's not like it's a moving target. Like it's an impossible because no two people are the same. And no two people fashions to, like, you know, certain words and situations are going to be the same. Um, like, in my own personal experiences, like, one, um, oh, like, can I talk about the times that I've been canceled? Like, can we, like... I talk? mean,
0: I would love to hear it, but that's your call to make. I will also talk about times I've been canceled if it helps. Well, <laughs> we worth, can like, be, we like, can be canceled together for talking about being canceled. Bear our
1: sins. Yeah, no, for real. Yes. Like, I, um... Like I like I remember one of the one of the earliest times of... <laughs> <It's> so embarrassing. <laughs> I remember one of the earliest times that I had canceled, and it's because and I thought that I put up all the disclaimers that like would keep me safe, and I I failed at that obviously. But I had um, put up some recipes. Um, you can at least look through my social media and find this. Um, but like, I have a bunch of recipes. Um, because like I like I struggle with my weight um mm-hmm. like I like you know I, I like there are so many reasons but like but this is like this is actually this is a really good and important story but like for myself to help control my weight um one of the things that is very helpful for me is to like you know is to watch like carbohydrate dense foods a lot of foods are uh, like vegan foods or plant-based foods are going to be yeah. carb heavy Mm-hmm. And so finding, like, you know, a variety of recipes that, like, you know, that are not carb-heavy, um, that curb, like, sugar, like, you know, cravings and things like that, um, like, those, like, you know, that, that's hard to come by. They can be pretty repetitive because it's, like, the same five or six things. And so, like, I, I had said to other people, like, listen. If you're in a similar boat to to me and like you know you want to eat this was before like keto became like super famous and everything but like you know if you're in a similar boat to me and like you know and you like need to drop a couple of pounds this is an easy um way to do it if you are like sensitive to to carbs and Mm. um you know and and like a lot of people thought that these recipes were super helpful but then there was like a very small but vocal minority of people who said, no, this is evil because you're promoting diet culture. And I'm like, this is like, I was very specific. Like if this doesn't apply to you or like, you know or if this is like in any way, like insulting you or if this is very difficult for, to you, like, you know, like this is not for you. This isn't the post for you. Like, you know, keep right. it and it's fine. We don't like, no, you don't have to participate in this discussion. But like, you know, the, the, the existence of this post and the existence of these recipes alone was enough for like, this minority of people to feel very, very aggrieved. And like, you know, and they continue to tell me how like any type of like, you know, part- and this is the thing, the sort of black and white thinking that like, you know, the mm-hmm. people like have, like irrespective of like, your, like, you know, your social political views, like it's the idea of black and white thinking that I think is so dangerous. It's like, you know, any discussion at all about losing weight for any reason is wrong, bad and evil. Um, I yeah. happen to have like very specific, like you know, medical reasons why, like you know, like I need to maintain a certain weight. One of them being that, like, I have um, osteoarthritis, synovial chondromatosis, um, which is a very fancy way of saying that, like, you know, that like I've got really effed up joints, um, specifically mm. in my knees. And um, like, I didn't know this until about seven years ago, and I went to like you know, an um, osteopathic um, surgeon who like you know had performed like two surgeries on me and helped me to run again which is something that i hadn't done um, in years and yeah. um and you know one of the things that actually contributes to this condition is like you know like subtle variations on my weight like you know more than like 15 pounds so like you know that's going to aggravate my condition um and so that's like that, that's a legit medical reason why i want to maintain my weight when like you know when I'm like, okay, like this is like, I'm, I'm starting to actually feel physical pain. I'm going into the danger zone. My knees can't handle this. Like, you know, this is like, this is something that I can do that I can control. Cause this is a condition that's going to deteriorate as I get older. Like, you know, that uh-huh. like, you know, that, that is just like a functional easy way for me to prevent, like, you know, it, or delay worsening of this condition. Should I have to disclose my medical condition in order to like, you know, in order to feel comfortable with like, you know, losing weight. How do I balance that like, like, you know, against like sharing information with other people who may be living with a different condition or even the same condition and not even know. Like I also have ulcerative colitis. Like there are certain, like Mm -hmm. plant-based foods can absolutely tear my stomach up. Um, Like I've learned to control my colitis um, by controlling the amount of dietary fiber that I consume. Um, And like, you know, but like, I also recognize that fiber is one of the things that keeps me, like, you know, that, that <laughs> keeps me feeling healthy and looking good. And so, like, I'm like, these are, like, you know, these are, like, oppositional things, but, like, you know, like, diet plays, like, you know, a role in all of these things. Um, and, like, you know, and so now, like, it's either, like, am I ever allowed to talk about that? Um, uh-huh. Because, like, for, like, you know, for the time being, like, you know, that has actually gotten so bad that, like, you know, the the, the, the people involved in, like, worried me so bad that then my mental health started to, like, you know, to go to the toilet. Yeah. And so I'm like, now I'm dealing with, like, physical conditions, and I'm dealing with, like, emotional and mental trauma as well, because, mm-hmm. like, you know, people disagree with me on the internet. And I'm like, am I going to, like, <laughs> with the internet do this to me? And I'm like, you know what, we're just going to close this discussion, close, like, close the post, close the photos, no more recipes, we're never going to do this again. And like, you know, and I'm uh, like, that was like, that was unfortunate for me. Um, Like another time, and maybe some of your listeners would be familiar with this when I had been canceled. um, And I I do like, I look back fondly at my cancellations because I'm like, you know what? I let it stress me out in the moment. And I really shouldn't have. um, Was Um. when like, you know, like this was in again on social media, because this is where a lot of these discussions take place. Um, Like, you know, like there was a, a, Bunch of people um, who wanted to, and I'm not going to name names or anything, but like, but there were a bunch of people, again, a small minority of people, who had targeted a, a disabled activist for, like, you know, for for writing like a, a post on their own social media channels and their own website. Um, about like, you know, about disability and like, and, and about like, like certainly about canceling people and not knowing like, you know, their, their ability, like, you know, in, um, in, in certain settings. Um, and, um, because this person was white, like, you know, one of the things that was weaponized against them was like, you know, was, was race. Like, you know what? I am automatically right because like I'm a black person. And so my, like, you know, and this is like, again, this is probably going to provoke another cancellation really at this point. I don't care. Um, Like, you know, I'm, I'm black. And so therefore, like, you know what, like, this is a thing that is racist. And like, you know, and uh-huh. like, and because I, like, because I am black, not because I am right. Not because like I've actually researched this information, like, you know, like you're wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're also racist and you're bad and you must be canceled. Like, almost, like, verbatim, those words. And, like, you know, and this was after, like, watching, like, you know, these same individuals involved go through, like, you know, and and literally systematically do this to several people. And so I'm recognizing this pattern of, like, behavior that reflects malignant narcissism in many ways. Um, and like, you know, and not driven by a desire to help people to be better, but to banish people from communities. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, and this for me was kind of because that person involved was actually a personal friend of mine. And I'm like, I can't in good conscience, sit by anymore and allow this to happen. So I'm going to speak up and I'm going to like, you know, use like actual research and theory from black women to explain why I disagree. Not that you're wrong, not that you're bad, but why I disagree with your take on this situation. Because, you know, the the conversation is actually a much larger conversation about, like, how digital media, like, influences us and how, like, you know, how digital media is actually used and, like, you know, what levels of access people have to understanding Uh how the digital media is, like, you know, is created, um, consumed, and distributed to, like, many different populations of people. Um, and like you know, and, and yeah, like I, I don't expect everybody. Like I, one of my favorite phrases is like, "Oh, well, like you can educate yourself and you can Google it." And I always have said to people, "This is a dangerous thing to say," because yeah. like you know, people like people are influenced to some degree by their previous searches and by the filter bubbles that they aggregate themselves into. If you tell someone who you suspect of being racist to educate yourself. Google is like an evil genie. If you, like, you know, if you type something into a search bar, chances are you're going to get exactly what you're looking for. Um, and like, you know, and that can be good or bad, most often bad. And so like, if you send someone else off to like, educate themselves about anti-racism, your chances of them coming back as a sentient MAGA hat are just as high as them coming back <laughs> being like kimberly crenshaw's greatest scholar and you just don't Mm -hmm. know which way that's going to go and so does that make you responsible for educating them f no like you know obviously not but at the same time like you know what we just throw these generalized statements out there as if it's okay um not understanding how like the people who own and dominate these digital media spaces actually manipulate the data in their favor and we make it much more likely that people are going to come across information that reinforces their existing biases rather than like coming across like coming back with genuine authentic information about anti-racism and this is coming from a black woman like you know i had cited scholars like sophia noble who had written algorithms of oppression um among others and so like you know and so with me coming with this like, you know, with this information, literally citing books, literally sharing papers and like attempting to educate. Oh, no, you canceled, too. So like now, like, you know, now we found another like everybody did this over here. Like, you know, like, he hates black black women and marginalized women. And I'm like, actually, mm-hmm. like, you know what? I disagreed with you. And I used research from another black woman. And so what we're seeing now is like, you know, these divisions of identity don't actually work because you're like you know you're trying to like weaponize like race and gender um like you know against someone who's actually using like research from women from persons of your same background and so like who do you believe in this situation like you know and and the internet and social media has like amplified this in really unhealthy ways and so like you know and and that but what the 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 like the the plot twist of all of this is that like you know meeting very public and actually saying i have to disagree with this and here's why um actually revealed a, a pattern of like malignant narcissist behavior of this person, like you know that several other people have experienced so it's like, like actually like you know what i've been afraid to speak up too and i've been afraid of like making mistakes or saying anything or even engaging online because i know that this person is constantly watching and looking for an opportunity to like you know to to like stab me in the neck and so like you know that that actually ended up being like a happy ending but that doesn't happen all the time now is this like a case study in which like you know like people shouldn't experience consequences for saying horrible bad racist things and then cry victim When they do that, like, absolutely not, because that's a different situation. Um, But, like, yeah, like, you know what? Every situation has to be taken on an individual basis. And, like, you know, we have to, again, engage with people based on nuance and understanding where they're coming from and trying to find some commonality rather than looking for a reason why we can make this person go away altogether. And that's, like, you know, that it just comes back to the original, like, the original thing that we were talking about. Mm So those are my thoughts. Big fun, big fun.
0: I have so many thoughts, but um, I, I really, you had written a blog post about that kind of, uh, I think centered around the idea of disclosure and, you know, should I really have to disclose things that maybe I'm not comfortable disclosing in order to have a seat at the table of a conversation. And that always really resonated with me. As well, and I think it kind of fits into what you're saying is that when we get so far into, I don't even know what to call it, like oppression Olympics. Um, you know, can um, what's the distorted like identity politics? Like I don't know what we're supposed to call it, but when we get so far into that, we're like literally, you have to have a certain identity before you can even speak on anything it just can be really harmful. And I think it can, I think I would always prefer someone to be, to feel comfortable asking a question or being part of the conversation than to be so terrified to engage at all. And, and I think what you're getting at too is really important is that it's extremely difficult to talk about these things because I feel like once you start talking about it, everyone goes to like Nazi. Right. Like every time you try to talk about cancel culture or identity or anything like that, people always go to like, well, we shouldn't have like racist, you know, like white supremacists being able to say whatever they want. And it's like, I agree. I get that. But that's there's a whole world of other situations that we're encountering that are not that, you know, and that we're not really doing our best to make people feel safe in these spaces. Like for myself, um, Like, I think you had brought it up in the context of, like, a feminist discussion that was going on, and people were telling you that because you're a man, you weren't allowed to, like, have any part of the conversation, but you had had experiences that were relevant to the conversation being had, and I know for myself, you know, I was questioning my gender and my sexuality for a while, and through that journey, I started to realize that some of the narrative that we have around like a queer identity or a queer journey was actually really harmful and was keeping me from knowing that I was queer. You know, it's like the stories of like everyone has the same experience of knowing that they're queer, they're gay, whatever. Um, and, And I just had picked up on there were a lot of spaces that seemed to be really gatekeeping like they didn't want people to know that they were queer right they didn't want people to be like oh shit that's me too um and it and it, i felt so fragile and vulnerable in this this questioning that i had that i just was never comfortable disclosing that so there're just so many conversations that i didn't participate in that i would have really liked to because of that So I don't know if you have any tips, but it's something I've been, or any thoughts, but it's something I've been thinking about for a while is like, how do we create spaces where, you know, we try to, we try to keep some, some guardrails on things like splaining and, you know, fragility and like talking over people, but also make space for people to like, be part of the conversation without needing to disclose things that are really personal to them. Cause I also like, I have medical conditions and I have certain issues and I I can relate to that. Like I've done, I've had to really try different diet regimens and different things to try to heal. And I've, I've always felt really uncomfortable. Like we're not allowed to talk about that stuff in public, at least not without, having like my platform be about being disabled and disclosing my conditions and all of this. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of people struggling. And if, you know, if I have something that's helpful, I just wanna be able to um, share it with people and not have to be labeled like, you know, I'm ableist or I'm fat shaming or anything like that. And I just think it's just gotten really difficult for people to be able to engage with each other when they're in that sort of like, questioning space or when they don't wanna disclose certain trauma that they've experienced.
1: Yeah, like once again, I wish I had answers here. Um, (laughs) Like right now, instead of answers, I actually end up with more questions because people who are experiencing Mm -hmm. very similar things to you and I end up in my inbox. And one of the most popular things I have from people who are messaging me for the first time is always, I didn't wanna say this publicly or like, you know what? I wanted to come to you. Because, like, I didn't feel like, you know, you were going to, like, give me that stabbing that we were talking about earlier. And, like, so I just had to ask you about, like, X, Y, and Z, whatever the situation is. And, like, I don't get to all those messages. Um, because there are a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. My inbox doth overflow with those conversations. And, like, you know, for a while I thought, well, maybe I can address this by m- making public posts or like you know or writing essays or like making carousel posts or like you know some sort of infographics for social media where like everyone can benefit from this but i already have a backlog of things that like you know i'm already writing about right now and the way that my executive dysfunction is set up like
0: i live that life like, right
1: and so here you are i'm like like, I, like, like it just, like, it creates more problems because, like, you know, you can't, like, you can't help everyone that you want to help. You can't do as much work as you would like to do. Um, and, like, you know, and, like, I, oftentimes I personally feel like I'm failing people, um, especially mm. because, like, you know, my immediate response to, like, if, if you send me a message, I'm not gonna answer for at least five days because, like, you know, look, I actually have messages. <laughs> <laughs> as if Right on cue, right across the top of my screen right now. Like, I have notifications of coming in. Um, like, you know, like, we have this culture of immediacy, once again, where, like, we kind uh-huh. of think or hope that people are going to get right back to you. Um, and because I know that, like, I can't do that, I also know that if I read your message, like, you know, depending on what platform you send it to me across, you're going to see a timestamp showing that I did read it, and then that increases my yeah. expectation, which increases my anxiety. And so we go through this, like... Sort of like you know this, this this sort of like arms race of like you know anxiety versus like expectation, and then I never do it. So like people were waiting for me from like five months ago, and then they just eventually delete and block me because they think I'm being a diva, and they don't know. No, I'm actually mentally ill. Um, mm-hmm. like, so yeah, like it's just like it compounds the problems we already have existing.
0: Yeah, it is. It's. It, it can be a lot to carry to be a person who is because I feel like so much of your work is really brave. And, you know, I know that's kind of a corny word to use, but I've just always really appreciated. There's been so many times where I've been really chewing on something and I feel like this isn't right. This isn't right. And I have these thoughts, but I'm like, oh, is this white fragility? Is this, you know, do, is this something I need to dismantle? And then I'll read one of your posts and I'm like, oh you know, like this is a legitimate line of thought, you know, this is very validating to me that this is something I'm picking up on that just isn't right. And it's not necessary. I mean, you always have to do the work to be like, am I being fragile? Am I being whatever? But it's like, sometimes shit is just fucked up. You know, sometimes things are wrong and especially being mentally ill, being disabled, being neurodivergent, like you do pick up on a lot of stuff that isn't okay in how we treat each other in these spaces. And then I think I appreciated your work too, because honestly, I, at the time I felt like, because I was white, I couldn't say anything, but I was like, Oh, you just can't say anything.
1: <laughs> I was
0: another, like, no matter who like, you is- you just can't say anything. <laughs> no,
1: this is actually like, this is another like really bad <laughs> thing. Um, because, like, you would use the phrase just now, like, you know, is this white fragility? Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I find that we're, like, we're we're at another, like, crossroads right now. Um, or at least maybe I'm just at a crossroads all by myself. Because, <laughs> like, you know, like, looking, like, let's talk about white fragility for a moment. Because, mm, like, to. the phrase, <laughs> the phrase white fragility, and, like, all of the, like, you know, tangential phrases phrases that have been, like, developed like as an offshoot of white Fragility, um, like and the entire discourse around it, like male fragility or like you know, like Mm -hmm. cis fragility, any any of these other types of like fragile responses, are all based around like you know the like the language and the nomenclature of Robin DiAngelo, um, who Mm. literally wrote a book on white fragility. And for a long time, we all looked at this like for a few years now. Like let's be real, and we said, oh that's the framework behind which we should, like, you know, all get and talk about how, like, you know, what what is actually responsible for these responses and and how people react to situations and, and like, you know, and and to discuss the type of mechanisms that we employ in order to maintain normative whiteness or, like, maleness or whatever have you. And then last summer happened. Last summer being, like, you know, this wave of racial consciousness that was motivated by like the anguish and grief that black people have collectively been experiencing for generations and kind of called around the murder of George Floyd. And so you see like a bunch of people across the country, across the world who are actually expanding their like racial literacy for the first time. And so you see what books end up on the bestseller list and white fragility is always like, you know, on there. And for the first time, I started to see these critiques of white fragility and Robin DiAngelo, and she's not so special. Why has she written a book about this? And I don't even think the white fragility is a thing. And like, you know, and so like this white woman has created the scholarship around like, and you know and like, I've listened to the podcast of like, you know, critiques and and I'm like, wow, this is very like, you know, this is very provocative. This is very real. And like, these are really well thought out responses and everything to it, Mm -hmm. but because there's always a big old hairy butt. Like I said, nuance is everything. Like (laughs) never black and white. But, like, you know, we still actually use the phrase white fragility that came from this white woman and her white scholarship. And so, like, you know, like, does this now mean that all of the fragility discourse, because we've collectively canceled Robin, or like, I'm assuming, like many of us, some of us, I don't know like have like decided that like you know what Re- robin d'angelo ain't shit this white woman ain't shit. she <laughs> came along and she she why is she a racial, racial scholar and she needs to sit down and it's like okay okay like i feel like you have a point like you know based on what you've said and like you know and the rationale that you provided like you know i get a lot of what you're saying but also we're still keeping this scholarship mm. In the discussion, so like once again, like you know what, 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 like what, like once again, like if 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 you are like so heavily invested in this black and white thinking, then like you know what, white fragility has to go out the window. But also, Mm -hmm. you want to keep white fragility. Like you know, we're always supposed to like listen to black and brown people, but not all black and brown people disagree. I'm never gonna, I'm probably never gonna find common ground with Candace Owens and Omarosa. (laughs) And like, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna find common ground with these people because they're black women. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so like, you know, is it always listen to the, like, like, we have to come to a place where we are able to like engage with thoughts and ideas based on their own merit and not their identity. And really like, again, I will re-emphasize this point. This isn't something new that I am saying. Like the very woman who coined the phrase or identity politics, this is her work. Like, you know, she said this herself. So like, this is actually literature and scholarship that's been in existence literally for decades before I even came along and opened my by now. And like, you know, and, but, and I think that a lot of us are not invested in actually going back and doing the work TM, because if we did, we would probably already having better conversations, but hot takes, we're in hot take city. Like you know mm-hmm. what, Rob D'Angelo, get her out of here. White fragility. <laughs> all right, we'll keep it a little bit. Like, like you know, what's, like you know, we have to. Like, we, can we? Can we talk? Can we? Can we politic about this? Because I don't think that, like, you know, I don't think that 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 wholesale cancellation or wholesale embrace of ideas is what's up. Like, I think mm-hmm. that a lot of what she wrote has value. It's actually given me language to talk about things that I didn't know about before, and like you know, and so. Like, I don't think that like, did she profit from this? Did she write a book about this? Did she go on a bunch of talk shows about this? Yes, yes she uh-huh. did. Can we talk about like how she should be actually like, you know, using her platform more responsibly to like, you know, to, to reinforce the work of black and brown people who came before her that allowed her to create this? Yes, we should. And like, you know, and and so yeah, like that's, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. But I'm really glad that you brought up white fragility because I'm like, yeah, like fragility discourse is real. And like, you know, and, and I think that, like, I think that we should keep it. I don't think that like, sorry, sorry to everybody out there who's listening to this podcast, like, you know, live or in the future. Like, because I know that I'm probably going to disappoint a whole bunch of people. But once again, this is where I'm at right now. This is my most authentic response based on the best information that I got available to me at this time. Oh, well. And if you got a different opinion, I, I might change that tomorrow. I might change that tomorrow, because I don't know. I don't yeah. know, Sway. Like, you know, like, I don't, like, you know, like, that's the thing. We have this almost expectation that people are, like, we have sprung forth from the brow of Zeus knowing all of <laughs> the things. And so people are coming to the conversation being like, what's a gender? And like, you know, like. And- <laughs> yeah. You know what, I don't even know right now. Like, but like, but we can find out together. Like, you know, like, (laughs) if you're not coming in, like, you know, with the, like, with the six million and wasn't enough, like, sweatshirt from the Capitol insurgency, like, last week, I think I can probably find a space to work with you. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like, we all have our lines, but like, you know, but, but for me, I'm like, listen, like, if, if somebody doesn't work with this person, with these persons, and have more thoughtful, productive conversations, it's going to go the other way very quickly. And, like, you know, and then you lose people. And they either say, you know what, F this. I don't even care. Like, I have a lot to do. I'm working for yeah. $8 an hour. And like, you know what? And I don't even have enough hours to, like, to, to buy my half F all of this. I, have yeah. no, I, don't have time to, I don't have time or the money to, to, to go to college. I barely have time to actually engage in the conversation with you right now. Why do I need the extra headache and the emotional abuse of this person, like, giving me a neck schwa right here, cha chau like, just like, you know, because I didn't know the correct answer to the number of genders. And like, that's like, and that's, that's I'm where I'm at. That's where I'm at right now. So yeah. i just drink my actual tea for the listeners later on. I'm literally drinking tea as we, ta- we had this tea. So, so
0: I love it. Um, yeah, I love that rant, if we can call it that, um, we love a rant around here and I, I kind of feel similarly about, I mean, it's, I guess it's different, but kind of same vein of thought about like phobic or phobia and just the overuse of it and how everything is like, everything you do is like some kind of phobic thing. Um, and I think about it, especially around gender, because I, myself, have had such a hard time like figuring out what my gender is what gender is how to refer to myself i do struggle with other people's pronouns and i do struggle with things like when someone transitions like my brain has a really hard time with not um referring to them as the gender that they're not (laughs) in the past and you know it's like i just felt so bad and all that's considered like transphobic or whatever but it's like it just is how my brain works and it's how a lot of people's brains, brains work. So it's like that is my job to do the best that I can do and like to try to learn right and to try to keep going. But it's just been interesting, like becoming a person who is genderqueer and gets misgendered a lot and misgenders themselves a lot um, that I just hate the rhetoric that it's like it's so easy you know it's so easy to to do this or to do that and it's like well it's not easy for a lot of people but that doesn't mean that they're hateful it just means that either their brains are having a hard time making the change which is normal or they're ignorant you know sometimes people are hateful of course but i just hate there's just so much rhetoric around like anything you do is instantly like you're a fucking monster And you should just have to go away forever. And it's like, I just love that you brought up gender because it's like, gender is so fucking complicated. Like, who isn't confused by gender? You know, I have done a lot of reading and a lot of research on it. And I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. And we can't expect like Joe Schmo in the grocery store or like someone's Midwestern mom, like random Midwestern mom to like, understand like gender theory right out of the gate. But if they're trying, you know, if they're giving it a shot and they're really trying, then that's good enough. So anyway. my
1: friend actually said something <clears throat> that has stuck with me and I've repeated like over and over again. Um, she's brilliant. She is a trans uh, trans woman of color um, who is um, a lecturer at Columbia. And she said, um, and I repeat her words often, um, like, you know, some people lead with their trauma instead of leading with their heart. That Mm. is like that, and that's a problem. That's something that I have to, you know, that I had to internalize Mm -hmm. and that I, like, you know, and that I have to tell myself daily, like, you know, like, because it it applies to so many situations. Like, you know, even like this, as one of the many people who has messaged me, there's a person I've never heard from before, um, like messaged me on Twitter, which by the way, is the worst way to get in touch with me because I am so rarely on Twitter, but. <clears throat> so they were in my twitter box and they were asking me like you know like tell me about indigenous people and like you know and do you would support indigenous like animal use um mm-hmm. my initial response was i'm not fucking dealing with this like why is this person <laughs> like coming at me with like again like this like, this feels this feels like a setup this question feels like a setup cuz i've before i'm talking yeah. about this a hundred times like you like you know and there's not going to be a right answer like if i say yes like you know, then it's like then one group of people is outraged if I say no, like another group of like people are going to be outraged. And really, my answer is neither one of those because the true answer, once again, nuance. It's complicated. I don't know uh-huh. what indigenous means because a blanket term for all like you no know, people who have not been colonized, I think, is actually not correct. What indigenous people are you talking about, sir, and or ma'am? And like, what right. conversation do you want to have about what type of animal exploitation they're engaging in? Because if you're talking about like the, like if you're talking about I knew it people or you pick people, like that's completely separate from talking about Native Americans. And even among Native Americans there are several different tribes, none of which are exactly the same. And so like, you know, the idea that like, there is this blanket like approval or disapproval of indigenous practices or indigenous people is to me flawed on its foundation because like everybody is different and like just because someone is indigenous doesn't make them automatically a virtuous person. That's the trope of the noble savage, which again is racist itself. Mm -hmm. What did I have to do when I read that question? Close that inbox right back up (laughs) and tell myself I'm leading with my trauma right now because I've been traumatized so many times by people in the past. Who, like, you know, we're trying to engage with like not the best intentions. And I'm making assumptions about this person that are completely wrong, probably. And I had to remind myself of like yet another great thinker, Sherry Cole, um, who teaches at um, at Cornell um, and who wrote the book, Mind to Buy Order the Cheeseburger, answered all the vegan questions in one book 10 years ago. Like, she's brilliant. She's wonderful. And I was fortunate enough and privileged enough to actually attend a talk of hers. And like during the Q&A, she actually said something that was so important. She said, always talk to people as though this is you answering the question for the very first time. Unless you have very good reason to believe that this person is being a piece of shit. (sighs) And no matter how many times you have asked, answered this question before, where do you get your protein? Like, you know, like what about B12? Like, you know, what about the indigenous people? Always engage with people as, because you know what? It probably is the first time that this person is asking that question. Yeah. Don't lead with your trauma. Lead with your heart. And that's hard to do. That's hard for me. <laughs> I almost have to put it on a post-it note and stick it on my bathroom mirror because it's that hard to do. And I, I'm not, i I'm not always successful. I'm not always successful. Man, ask this person, will you get out of my face? Like, don't answer that question. <laughs> like, You know what? Go educate yourself because I wrote about this already 500 times. But you know, that's like that's that's what I'm inclined to respond with. That's my trauma. That's my trauma. That's not like, you know, that's not leadership. And I have to remember that. I have to remember that and constantly remind myself because it is a road, it is a process, and it's not easy.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's the issue in general with these spaces, you know, however we address it, however we refer to it, whatever we're supposed to do. I think it's from what I've observed, it's a lot of people acting out of trauma at each other. You know, a lot of this uh, canceling is the problematic, whatever we're supposed to call it, is traumatized people traumatizing other people in order to feel a sense of like safety and power and security right like they're above this isn't gonna happen to me I'm gonna be the one doing it kind of mentality and it's just really sad and also just really abusive you know just and I can have a lot of um empathy for it you know cuz i have a lot of trauma and i same thing like there are times when i'm like you need to just close the window you know move on because yeah you're you're not able to engage with this um not out of a place of trauma um i feel that way still even when i get someone coming at me really hard for messing up and it's like, you know, it goes back to the fragility conversation too. It's just like, it's not so much the fragility. I'm pretty good at like, I'm okay to hear you messed up or here's my take on something. But it's that sense that like, it's this primal, like, oh fuck, you know, like I grew up in a house where if you've messed up, you weren't loved. And it's like that kind of response comes back out. And it's like, so when I get something like that, I have to know that that however this person's phrased it that's going to be kind of the filter i'm looking at it through and i need to like let it sit for a minute and wait till i know i'm okay and then go back and see if it's something i want to respond to or not but it's um it's hard it's it's hard being in these spaces because i do feel like there is a lot of um trauma response type actions happening at all times and it gets to where I feel like all of us just feel that really high alert kind of way all the time and that makes us all more inclined to respond out of trauma. <laughs> yes!
1: Like, yeah. like what What in the world? Like I have to actually sit back and, sit and laugh at myself. I'm like this person cares about indigenous people. You're about to like jump to a <laughs> fucking <box." laughs> trauma (laughs) trauma
0: (laughs) it's always trauma
1: i'm not well i'm not well but you know i've come to be okay with that i'm like no i've embraced all the parts of me that are not okay and like and and like i'm i feel like at this point i'm living my best life now um as flawed and as broken as it is you know what i like i feel safer and more comfortable in myself and like you know and more secure in who i am um because like you know i've taken the steps to increase like you know my my boundaries and set uh-huh. and respect my own boundaries um with with other people and like you know and i guess maybe that's the like the the delicious pearl of wisdom that i should present my delicious vegan pearl um like you know <laughs> that, that that i can, that I can set that out there because god knows i don't have the answers i don't feel like i do but for me like this is this is what's worked i'm like you know what understanding my own trauma processing it and not reproducing it on or against other people um, that's like that's the best thing that I can do um, that and like you know watch Instagram comics and like you know and and kittens and and watch people on TikTok and be an absolute fool because that's my other way of doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah um, well I can't imagine a better way to close the show than that that was perfect thank you So I just want to thank you so much for being here today. This was a dream come true for me. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Welcome back anytime. (laughs) Um, And I have links to all your stuff in the show notes and in the description box below. But I want to give you an opportunity to promote. You do so much, so many different things. I want to give you an opportunity to promote and maybe focus people on where you want them to go, what you'd like them to engage with.
1: Oh boy, um, this is like this is the Oscar speech, isn't it? Uh, yes. Where do I want them to go? I um, <laughs> like I'm on the advisory council for Encompass. Um, you can find them online mm-hmm. at encompassmovement.org, um, I believe. I'm messing it up. It is a relatively new organization run by Ariannish Birdie, um, which central centers racial diversity, um, equity, and inclusion within animal rights and um, and and animal centered organizations. Um, and, like, she's doing amazing work. Um, and she actually has, like, you know, a, a program, a development program for, like, you know, for for racial equity leadership. So, like, like there are so many opportunities for people to, like, learn about Encompass, like, sign up for the newsletter and, like, you know, and take advantage of these often free, like, you know, things that, um, that that are available to you. Um, mm-hmm. I also love referring people to Food Empowerment Project. Lauren Ornella is mm-hmm. one of my favorite people. It would be irresponsible for me to not... Um, plug Lauren Um, like her work has been so enormously influential on me Um, if I like you know had someone who like I feel like is is an absolute mentor in these spaces I would definitely say like you know Lauren is 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 one of the earliest people and like and these aren't necessarily people or organizations that everybody is always going to agree with like you know what like there were times when I would like read stuff that Lauren had written I'm like or or like watch talks that she had given and I said what? madness and then I come around and I'm like she has always been right like she's brilliant like (laughs) like, you know and and like you know and and like I think the food empowerment project actually like you know like is is one of the few organizations that does the work with like such sensitivity um Uh when it comes to like you know centering like veganism like you know and and a plant-based diet um but like considering how like our food choices and like, you know, food justice, which is an adjacent issue to veganism, Mm -hmm. um, but shouldn't be confused with veganism, like, you know, at like impact the world around us and how we can actually like take into consideration how the food um, that like, you know, the the plant-based food that we have our system, our plates, because there's so much that I didn't know. And Lauren was instrumental in like, you know, in crafting this organization and the scholarship the scholarship around like, you know, helping me to understand that. Um, Like, of course, I'm always gonna pimp Carol Adams because she is fantastic. And the sexual politics of meat is what actually led me down a path interrogating. um, Like, you know, the the racial connections to like animal exploitation and animal domination. Um, Mm. Like Brenda Sanders who does the most amazing food justice work um, she's an undercover powerhouse because you'll never know what Brenda's working on. And if she actually, like, you know, if you were to work on an intro for Brenda for, like, you know, a a program or event, you would have to be very selective because you'll spend the entire hour just <laughs> quoting her resume. Um, because that's how humble she is about, like, you know, about the work that she does. Um, like, she doesn't, like, she doesn't make it known, but when you start, like, tearing apart the pieces and starting to look, and it's like, holy smokes, Brenda's had her hand in literally everything the entire time. Um, like, and books, 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 books. Um, read books on theory, Marxist mm-hmm. theory. Um, read, read, mm-hmm. read books, like, you know, read, read books on economic theory, read books on uh, feminism, on black feminism. Um, Angela Ivan Davis, like your bell hooks, um, your classical Marx. Read David Nyberg, who wrote Animal Oppression and Capitalism, um, another foundational book to my understanding of uh, like, you know, the ways that race, Inter interacts with with the species um, to create this this sort of compound oppression. Um, that's all that I can think of off the top of my head. There's so many people that I'm forgetting right now, so many amazing like you know like like scholars, activists and like you know and and people who are doing incredible work. Um, so like I'll just continue like pimping them on my social media and like you know and writing about them and citing them in my own work.
0: Beautiful. And you can follow Christopher's fashion on social media with the links below. So that's our show. We did it. It's done. We achieved it. Uh, we're going to go hang out in the after party just for a little bit. So children, be warned. We're not hanging out for a long time today. Um, but if you like what you saw or heard today, like, share, subscribe, leave me a review. Um, Please check out Sebastian's links and his Patreon. He does really cool stuff over there, really cool events that he hosts. Um, Next week on Wednesday, February 3rd, I'm going to do an advice column stream at 5 p.m. PT. Um, So this is going to be a new thing I'm going to start doing monthly. So everyone look out for that. And... If you have any burning questions you would like answered, because I'm going to start doing advice regularly, send them to pinkspots at gmail.com. Sorry, I have to do the admin at the end. So thank you, Sebastian. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming. I'm just
1: going through all of the comments from wonderful people. (laughs)
0: i know it's so fun to catch up after um so yeah thanks everyone we'll see you next week and then everyone on the live stream i'm gonna play the outro and then we'll have the little after party hey pinko thanks for tuning in if you enjoyed the show consider supporting it by making a monthly contribution on patreon by going to patreon.com/slash PinkSpots. You can also make a one-time donation on Venmo to Pink Spots or on PayPal by using the link in the show notes below. Your donations help support a disabled, neuroqueer anarchist live off her creative work, and that's pretty damn cool.